You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, October 11th. As always, I am your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Friars on Base, Off Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, to which I am a staff writer for, or maybe Pop Culture is your thing I've written for places like Nerdist, Mental Floss, and Verse film cred play disgusting and many more and hopefully many more to come guys most importantly check out me on twitter at Hava Pena or at lo underscore padres which is the twitter account for the show interact with me on there i love it you might see me pointing because in the bottom left hand corner of the youtube screen you can see my at jav I-I-P-E-N-O. Uh, follow me on there guys and of course like i said the youtube channel locked on padres on youtube where all the magic happens. I even got a new camera, a little bit more HD quality for you. Hopefully. Anyway, I got to I got to edit the 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 surroundings cuz I have a little bit too the lighting is a little bit off, but I it's a nice library that I got behind me basically. I don't know, it's an interesting aesthetic at the minimum. You guys got to give me that. But I also um thank you guys for making Lockdown Padres your first listen, hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms on today's episode guys we are talking about mlb playoff weekend because well there is no padres news yeah i don't know if you guys heard the padres are in the playoffs so we will be talking a little bit about playoff weekend and some of my thoughts on the playoff teams in general that are in there um some of the results i enjoyed it very much even if i didn't get to see every single game in full especially on saturday because i was doing some stuff on saturday but also at the end of this gonna be talking about austin nola Because I am a weirdo and I was just listening to some of my old podcasts because I wanted to know if I was going to get old takes exposed. You know what I'm saying? When it came to the Austin Nola trade and actually just looking back at some of my thoughts uh, over the over a bunch of episodes, I thought it was interesting just to look back and I have some interesting perspective about that. So we're going to get into that. But for now, guys, let's talk some playoffs. Let's talk some playoffs because I don't know about you, but it's been a solid go of things in the playoffs. I'm not just saying this as a bitter Padres fan who doesn't get to experience the magic of the postseason, but it's it's been okay. You know, the Friars, maybe a lot of that, by the way, is because one of the big teams I've been rooting for is the White Sox. I think the White Sox, in a lot of ways, are the Padres of the American League. Uh, They're so much fun to watch, so much swagger, so much diversity in their talent. Uh, You know, Tim Anderson and Eloy and all those guys, Luis Robert, Love those guys. I think they're awesome. Um, and they get creamed on Friday, four to nine. The Astros, man. I mean, holy lord! Look, I wrote in an, an ALDS preview over at Just Baseball, picking the White Sox in five. And now I'm not going to say that I am a buffoon and that I should be fired and that that was a total awful pick. I just thought the White Sox would play up to the competition a little bit more, and they haven't so far. In the middle, actually, while we are recording this, the game is actually still going on. It is six to nine in favor of the White Sox. It is in Chicago right now um, in the top of the eight with two outs. So just throwing that out there. Hopefully they can continue this series going because I think it'd be great. And it would mean that tomorrow, or I should say today's slate of action, when you guys are watching this or listening to it, uh, we would have four games to look forward to, which I think is phenomenal. Uh, Starting with the Brewers and Braves at one o'clock, Astros, White Sox at 3.37 p.m. Eastern time, of course, guys. Uh, Rays, Red Sox at seven, and then Giants, Dodgers at 9.37. That's the big one. Uh, It's like kind of like March Madness style. You know what I mean? You just have games to look forward to throughout the whole day. 
during the week, which is just which is just awesome in my opinion. Um, but some other results: Braves Brewers two to one in favor of the Brewers on Friday. Corbin Burns, man, geez Louise. I mean, I will say the concern about Milwaukee is going to be whether or not their offense can keep up. I like their guys enough. Uh, I wrote over at Just Baseball back in like I don't know, maybe it was this in like May about how the Brewers might just be the 2015 Mets. And my reason for that is because they have three elite pitchers. Uh, there's there's a couple other reasons, but the Brewers, you know, with Corbin Burns, you guys have probably heard this before. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. I mean, you can't get better than that. And in a lot of ways, I do believe that Corbin Burns is probably going to win the Cy Young. And I also think that, yeah, he might be the number two now uh, among starting pitchers in all of baseball. He really might be just that good. Um, Garrett Cole clearly lost that competition after what happened in the wildcard game last week. Um, but Corbin Burns looking good as usual. And then Josh Hader shuts them down to uh, the Braves lose two to one. I will say this though. I will say this also in terms of relation to why I thought that they were similar to the Mets is because they acquired Willie Adamas at the deadline uh, or not at the deadline, but they acquired him this season. And he was kind of like that ultimate bat that was acquired via trade that kind of catapulted and helped the offense improve enough. Similar to how you went with the, with the Mets back when he went to, the Mets in that famous, like un- unbelievable second half that he had. That's kind of what Willie Adamas was for the Brewers this year. Uh, if you just look at his splits, I mean, batting 197 uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays and then 285 with the, um, as it looks like, let's see here. Looks like the, yeah, by the way, I can't, the Chiefs are getting blown out right now, which I love, although they did just score. Shout out Travis Kelsey. Um, Willie Adamas batting 285, 366, 521 slash line with the Brewers with 20 home runs to boot, total of 25 on the season for him. So, like, it reminded me of that in that sense. Some bullpen pieces in terms of just the quality of their bullpen guys like Josh Hader, Devin Williams, reminded me a little bit of the 2015 Mets. So they might be that. They might be. Or they're going to be one of those teams that don't score a lot. Uh, As we saw on Saturday's slate of games, uh, was it Saturday? Hold on. Was it Saturday? Yeah, they played on Saturday, right? Yeah, Saturday they lost 3 nothing after an absolute gem from Max Fried, which I did not expect, going nine. No, I'm sorry. Six innings, only allowing three hits, no runs, no walks, striking out nine. Max Fried, former Padre, as you guys might be familiar, a guy that was kind of given up, kind of abandoned a little bit. He didn't have too much success for a while, uh, to be honest with you. He wasn't an elite pitcher when the Padres did trade him. I don't think that the hype on him was through the roof or anything. He kind of struggled a little bit, but then had some really solid seasons with the with the Braves. Granted, and not too much innings work. And then in 2020, he really broke out to a tune of a 2.25 ERA. Then a 3.04 ERA this year after starting off slow. Uh, another former Padre. I mean, mm-mm. the Padres were once heralded as having one of the best farm systems that some people have ever seen. And when you look at the totality of misses... You keep seeing a lot of guys that are doing good elsewhere, man. And Max Fried is one of them. Granted, I don't think this is like, you know, it's not like you could have expected this. This also isn't necessarily a Corey Kluber type of thing when Corey Kluber was dealt uh, for basically nothing. And then he became the Cy Young kind of winner that everybody knows him for. But it's still it's still rough to see how many of these guys seem to be hitting elsewhere. And it's a huge indictment on the Padres organization. Some other interesting results. The Gi- the Giants beat the, the Dodgers the first game that they played in the series. They, ended, they did not win the second game. We'll get that in a second. But Logan Webb, I mean, just an absolute beast. And this is what's good about the Giants. Gosman was their big breakout ace this year uh, in a lot of ways. He was good in 2020 as well. But then he fell off a bit in the second half, uh, pretty dramatically, actually. He had a an ERA under two 
for the first half. And then you're hovering above the mid 4.0s uh, areas. And then Logan Webb stepped up for the Giants and he did step up in this game. Seven and two thirds innings, no earned runs, only five hits, no walks, 10 Ks on that Dodgers lineup. Um, that's a good organization right there because you just you love to see a team that even when their their best guy isn't performing as much as they usually are, this other guy steps up, and that's Logan Webb, and he was awesome in that game, uh, and I watched it, and I loved it. Maybe you guys tuned into the green room that I hosted on Friday. Maybe you didn't, uh, but it was just an absolute blast. Unfortunately, though, the other result from Friday was the Red Sox absolutely killing the Rays 14-6. to That was rough, and then I mentioned that the Braves won on Saturday as well, and then the Dodgers beat the Giants 9-2 to on Saturday, which was rough behind the back of Julio Urias, uh, who goes five innings, giving up one earned run on three hits. Wasn't anything elite from him, but most importantly for the Giants, uh, Kevin Gosman, who I was just mentioning, having a bad second half, uh, five and a third's innings, giving up four earned runs on four hits, walking three, striking out seven. Not the most abysmal stat uh, start in postseason history. Again, still a better start than uh, Mr. Spider Spider Cole is what I've been hearing them calling them lately. Mr. Garrett Cole, Spider Tech Garrett Cole is what I've heard, but uh, just a lot of runs for the Dodgers. You knew that offense wasn't going to stay completely quiet for the whole series, regardless of who the Giants were throwing out there. But nonetheless, uh, it's still 1-1 series, and I cannot wait to see that game tonight. I think it's going to be fantastic, and I hope that the Giants kill them because we hate the Dodgers, now don't we? Now, before we talk about Sunday's slate of games, all right, before we talk about those games and just some of my thoughts on the White Sox and Astros and Rays and Red Sox, which is the game that clearly will be making a lot of headlines. Uh, but the Astros-White Sox one might be making a lot of headlines, too, to be honest with you. Something that happened that game. First, I want to talk to you guys about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV stream. It brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites on demand on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place, which is very cool. And the best part, there are no annual contracts. That's right. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. DirecTV Stream, guys. Go look it up at directtv.com. Ooh, we again, guys, I just want to reiterate. Thanks for making Lockdown Padres your first listen every day. Hashtag first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's keep it going. Let's talk a little bit. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the game, the games that happened on Sunday, because there was a lot that happened. Uh, let's first get into the Astros White Sox game only because it's currently not done. Look, I'm, I got to record my episodes, guys. I got a lot of work to do. OK, I, I'm sorry that I couldn't wait to uh, finish this White Sox-Astros game because, in fairness, it's not my team. So that's not the craziest thing in the world. But bottom of the eighth inning right now, it is to 6-9 in favor of the White Sox. One thing I am going to say is Dylan Cease disappointed me. I thought that Dylan Cease, he was really good at home this year, uh, not as much away. A little bit of the Blake Snell thing, to be honest with you. Remember when Blake Snell's home run splits were such a big deal? Uh, a little bit of something like that, but more importantly, just one and two-thirds giving up three earned runs. I know it's the Astros, but still, Dylan Cease is prone to having those blow-ups every now and then, despite the swing and miss stuff, despite his strikeout rate being among the best in the league next to Corbin Burns, seriously, uh, that you know he's prone to that stuff. But even still, you get a lot of RBIs in this game, and it's a big inning in the bottom of the fourth, right? You get a single from Jose Abreu. You then get Yasmani Grandal, who grounds out in a fielder's choice. Now, here's the thing. There is a lot of controversy around this one. I don't think it'll be the one that is talked about the most. It wasn't the one that Jeff Patson of ESPN is tweeting about. But Yasmani Grandal, on the, when he is running to first base, 
is basically not running at all in the baseline, you know, on, on the right side, when it, you know what I'm saying? Like in the dirt, he's instead running on the grass, which then results, all right, in the first baseman, um, Yuli Gurriel, having to kind of, it, because they're trying to, it's a man on, it's a man on first and third, by the way, I should mention that. And then it results in Yasmani Grandal kind of interfering with a throw from Yuli Gurriel because he has to kind of whip it around him because he's in the way of what the, you know, kind of the, the line of sight would be to get the runner from, from third, who was Luis Robert. Now, I don't know if there's something specifically illegal about that in the rule book. I don't know exactly how that works, but they might've missed something like that. Dusty Baker ends up getting tossed from the game. And I actually thought so for sure. Now I know a lot of you guys might be thinking, well, screw it. I don't care. The Astros are cheaters and deserve all the bad luck to go their way. You know what I'm saying? We don't care. And, you know, it's like that Stephen A. Smith thing. Let me tell you, let me tell you, we don't care. You know, you know, like that, that whole video, like I get that and you are justified in that. But I will say just in terms of observing baseball, uh, not a dirty play, but like a cheap play. You know what I mean? Like Bush League is what people say a lot of times. Like that's what it kind of was from Yasmani Grandal. But then again, whatever it takes, right? They're getting their butts kicked most of this series so far. Their pitchers have not shown up. None of them, not Lance Lynn, not Lucas G. Giolito did a little bit, but uh, Lance Lynn and, you know, it's just, it hasn't gone well. And it's kind of exposed them a little bit as a pitching staff that's solid. But maybe those numbers are bolstered by the fact that it's a really easy division with teams like Cleveland who are just selling off and rebuilding every year. The Royals who who are rebuilding, but don't think they're rebuilding. They think they're contenders for some reason. And then teams like the Tigers who are rebuilding. Um, it can be rough sometimes for sure uh, when it comes to uh, judging teams based on their competition and whatnot. I know some people said this about uh, Trevor Bauer last year where they were like he pitched in a weak division. Um, it wasn't weak this year, of course, but last year the offense was non-existent. So maybe that's why. I get that. But bottom line is the way I look at it was the numbers were there in my opinion. But hey, that's just a screw Trevor Bauer. You know what I'm saying? That guy's that, that guy's the worst. But um, that's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. I'm curious to see if there's some sort of uh, statement by MLB about this. Yeah, as minor ground doll wasn't as bad, in my opinion, at least, and a lot of other people's opinion as what happened in the Red Sox and Rays game. For those who missed it, this game lasted about an eternity. A lot of my, uh, a couple of my friends were actually at the game, uh, by the way, which is pretty nuts. But it goes into the bottom of the 13th, a walk off from Christian Vasquez. But before all that, top of the 13th inning, Kevin Kiermaier in an at-bat that I'm pretty sure lasted about 37 years. Uh, because you take into account how nervous I am, because you guys may know, I hate Boston. I hate them so much. But I can tell you one thing. I did not expect them to go quietly at night in this series. Anybody who was has not been paying attention to Boston sports for the last 15 years. Everything goes their way, except for maybe the Celtics. And I will only say the Celtics in the sense of this is that They'd been rebuilding forever, and then they got all these draft picks, and Danny Ainge is a fraud, and he never traded them for the right guy. The, and the, oh, the, the offer was never there. Man, I don't want to hear it. The guy over in Toronto, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now. My apologies. Um, I'm going to Google that where I looked that up. But he made that gamble trade for Kawhi Leonard, and then they won the title. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's just, uh, yeah. Um, Masai Ujiri. There we go. Thank you. Remember, uh, got to remember that guy's name. Sick name too. I will say, um, but like they actually took chances and whatnot, but bottom line is the Celtics have been at the minimum solid and an entertaining team for sure, but they haven't been as 
you know, they haven't cursed us with winning as much. But when it comes to the Red Sox, when it comes to the Patriots, they've been just dominating. You know what I'm saying? And anyone who thought that this Red Sox team didn't have a little bit of a vibe to it, I think wasn't paying attention. Um, I know that their bullpen um, on face value with Whitlock, with Matt Barnes, guys like that weren't doing too much. But Nick Pavetta in this game? I mean, geez, Louise, he comes up huge uh, for the Red Sox. Four innings because of all the extra innings he has to go. Only allowing three hits, no earned runs, only walking one batter, and striking out seven. Seven batters. Geez, Louise, the Rays. But the biggest thing that happens in this game is a double from Kevin Kiermeyer, right? That ends up bouncing off of the glove of Mr. Hunter Renfro, former Padre Hunter Renfro. Uh, who now all of a sudden is a very capable and awesome player for the the Red Sox, which is kind of nice. He wasn't for the Rays, that is true. But um, man, oh man, thank God Jake Cronenworth was good, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but it bounces off of Hunter Renfro's glove, and then it, and then his glove is kind of like the top of his leg, and then it goes into the stands, which results in it being a ground rule double instead of the go ahead double that would have brought in um, Yandy Diaz. Now here's the thing: a couple things on this actually. The call was probably the right one uh, that was made on the field when it comes to that being a ground rule double because it does hit off of the defender and that's or it does bounce in there. You know what I mean? That's how the rule works. Whether or not that's a good rule is an entirely different conversation. In my opinion, it probably should be. I am wondering, though, I did think about this. I am wondering if there's some sort of like like. There has to be something in the rule book about if it's an unintentional bouncing into the crowd, because then theoretically, couldn't you just take the ball and just fling it in real quick if you were worried that the runner might score? You know what I'm saying? Like if you see him halfway to second base, you just go, you know what I mean? Make it sure that he keeps that third. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. That's all I'm saying. I, and I, I understand that in a way the counter to this also might be, well, well, what else do you do? You can't just get rid of the ground rule double. Then that would be a little bit annoying. But it is crazy that the Red Sox, a lot of people are complaining about the Red Sox. I will say about this, Fenway Park, you don't like it, you, then win your games at home. That's what happens. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what happens. I get that it's annoying that there's this giant skyscraper, the the size of the Empire State Building, that makes it that you have to hit home runs 700 feet in order for them to go out. And then there's this unbelievable short porch over in right field where it's just like you can just literally fall into the outfield, like into the stands. Like, that's nuts, and that's happened before. Um I think the Red Sox also, the third thing, by the way, they're a really hard team to play in Fenway, especially in the postseason. They've beat the Yankees the last three times they faced them, so it doesn't surprise me that they've been able to stage a little bit of a comeback in this series, starting with, obviously, Fenway here. Um, But I, I think that it's a crummy rule. My thing is this. I wish that if the batter was already rounding second when this happens, shouldn't that mean he scores? You know what I'm saying? Like, I... It just felt a little weird to me. You know what I mean? Like if it's a double, then theoretically that guy maybe scores from first, but I don't know. All I'm saying is this is going to be a huge controversy, but the ruling was correct. If you want to blame it on the referees, if you want to blame it on the umpires, I don't think that that's right. If you want to blame baseball and the kind of the ground rule, double rule, I think that that's a little bit more apt. I think that maybe you caught that as a triple. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's a little crummy that because of a literal mistake, 
by the outfield. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they couldn't get there in time and it just took a crazy bounce into the stands, right? It's literally a mistake by Renfro it hitting off of him like that. You know what I'm saying? Because in a regular ballpark, that hits against the wall and then maybe he has to go get it again. And then that takes more time for them to, uh, the, the runners to then advance and whatnot. It is just incredibly crummy that there's a situation in which the defense does not make a good play and that result, and that actually hurts the the team on offense that's just a crummy thing i don't know how you fix it necessarily but it is annoying and i imagine a lot of people are going to be talking about in the future and honestly it's a good thing that people got you know visibility for it and this is classic boston things just go their way guys um i hate boston with every fiber in my body pretty much as much as the dodgers and people have to understand though i'm really like objective about it like this is why i hate them because i'm used to this bs it always goes their way. Guys, this past uh, a couple weeks ago, I was watching Brady get sacked. Now, granted, he's on Tampa Bay now, but I'm just saying plays like this with Brady where he gets hit, the ball literally goes out, but then there, it goes over a defender's head and then another guy catches it and then secures it and then he runs for like four yards. It's like BS like that has been happening for Boston athletes for the longest time and I'm sick of it, but anybody who thought that the series was going to be a wipeout, in my opinion, has been watching and also, also, Let's stop acting like the Tampa Bay Rays are a banner of consistency, too. I've said this about the Dodgers before. It has to be said about the Rays. But before we get into a little bit more on that and the Austin Nola trade, guys, I want to talk to you about something that is objectively rad, unlike Boston sports, guys. Those are the Built Bars, the best protein bars in all the land, not just in San Diego, not just in Boston, not just in the Dodger realm. You know what I mean? Nowhere. It's just in all the land, guys. They are the best. And what I like about them is they're soft and easy to chew, covered in percent chocolate, but they've got a really great variety of flavors. Apple Almond Crisp is back in stock for them. They've got coconut. They've got cherry barcia, cookies and cream, orange, strawberry, salted caramel, double chocolate, mint brownie, raspberry, and German chocolate. And many, many more limited time flavors that pop up every now and then. It's really great that they're just coming up with new flavors uh, kind of all the time. Manuel Sanders touched that. Wow. Um, shout out Josh Allen um, <laughs> and my fancy team. Um, but on top of that, guys, on top of the variety, they are healthy for you. They are protein bars after all. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories ranging from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams net carbs. Amazing flavors. All tasty, all healthy. What are you waiting for? Go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen. Woo. <laughs> all right. Let's wind this bad boy down. The last thing I wanted to say about that Rays uh, Red Sox series is you guys have heard me a lot of times talking about this. I've mentioned this many, many times how the Dodgers, I don't like how everybody's just penciling them in. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and acting like, like people were doing this from the very beginning of the season. It's like, how aren't they going to win the World Series? It's like, well, how aren't they not? They've been doing this for years. I've been saying about the Dodgers that every year that they would be, you'd be counting on them and all this stuff. And then they blow it in the postseason. It's happened every time. I will say this year, if they do end up losing to the Giants, I don't count that as a blow up because this should be the NLCS. And all honestly, this should this is like a World Series quality matchup, 107 wins versus 106 wins. That's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes. But, you know, it was annoying me that heading into the year, everyone was acting like this team was the banner of consistency. The Tampa Bay Rays are a little bit like that, too. They're an incredible ball plug. What they've done is incredible, just like the Dodgers. They've raised incredible talent. They know how to sell high on guys, especially in the case of Tampa. But in fairness, everybody that was just scribbling them, they're going to kill them. Like, what have the Tampa Bay Rays done the past, like, 15 years that 
suggest that they are a lock and that they will always win. You know what I'm saying? Like, what have they done? What is this, the 27 Yankees? Relax, guys. Uh, and now look at them. They're down 2-1. They're going back to Tampa. They got to win that game, obviously. But I'm just saying, this is a lesson learned, and everybody kind of they need to calm down. Anybody can win in the baseball playoffs. That's what I love about MLB playoffs. It's great. It's lovely. It's fantastic. But just let's not get too ahead of ourselves. By the way, the White Sox are now leading uh, 11-6. So shouts to them. Uh, who scored here? Andrew Vaughn and Louis Garcia hit big doubles. So shouts to them. We're going to get one more game at minimum of that series. Woo! Thank you. Okay, all the mean people on TikTok and all the message boards that were saying I was an idiot for suggesting that the White Sox could win. At least they got a game. You know what I mean? At least they didn't get killed. Um, but the last thing I wanted to talk about, guys, was the Austin Nola trade. Just revisiting it really quickly, um, at least as of right now. So Austin Nola is the catcher for the Padres, as you guys may know. The priority catcher, I should say, for the Padres. And he was, eh, he was fine this season and he was incredible when you compare him to kind of what the Padres have had the past couple years right that's a guy that those that's both you know in terms of um what's his name Francisco Mejia and Austin Hedges Francisco Mejia there were some Francisco Mejia truthers I was one of them I actually thought that he could be pretty decent for the team I really really did I thought that um he had a really you know quick swing of the bat granted he never really came through in 2020 he had some opportunities didn't come through I always wished that if he had more consistent playing time then he might be better but it's not like that guy's blown up elsewhere whatever and then Austin Hedges a defensive wizard but he could not hit worth a lick he had that one year where he hit like 20 home runs but other than that that weird one year of Austin Hedges shouts him but done anything and then they trade for Austin Nola who this year finishes with a slash line of 270, 340, 376. So not a lot of power uh, whatsoever. His career high in home runs is only 10, um, and he hit five last year with Seattle. And then uh, two with the Padres. Um, so, you know, not a great uh, uh, power hitter for sure. But compared to what we had before, it's just nice to have a quality hitter. And he's a decent pitch framer, and he's decent at running, uh, throwing out runners. So definitely, certainly an upgrade. But he is the rub. He is the rub, mate. Only e- Six games for Austin Nola this year. And you might be wondering, ah, happens. It happens. Now, it's, it's still rough. It's still very, very rough uh, for sure. But you might be wondering, I mean, damn, like we, we, we make this trade and we're hoping to get a catcher that's going to be of some quality. And look what happens. You know, now here's the issue. Let's go look up really quickly the Austin Nola trade. Back what happened last last trade deadline, not this previous one, but the year before that. They traded, here's the Padres and Mariners combined on a seven-player deal that sent uh, catcher Austin Ola and right-handers Austin Adams, otherwise known as the guy who has never gotten an inning without hitting somebody, and down Altavilla to San Diego, while Seattle will receive top outfield prospect Taylor Chamel, infielder Ty France, catcher Luis Torrens, and right-hander Andres Muniz. Okay. So let's get into that this weekend. The reason why I want to talk about this is because on Friday, um, cause I have been doing a lot of work and whatnot and I've been doing some monotonous work. So I was able to, I was kind of curious to like go back and listen to some of my takes, right? Because not that there are people combing through this stuff. You know what I mean? They're not like people are pulling up old tapes of me and trying to get me canceled or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, on Twitter and stuff like that. But I was just curious to see like, what was my reaction to the trade when it first happened for Austin Nola? And I was pretty positive. I'm not going to come out here and lie to you guys and be like, I knew that this was bad. Um, but what's so interesting to me is that at the time, the big piece in that trade was Taylor Trammell, who is a major leaguer for sure, but he's not a very good batter. He's only just a defensive super, like super kind of utility athlete um, of a player. He's not very good. 
And I remember watching Ty France. So this I will say. And what I did find about this was this. There was a couple lines for me when I was recapping games, when I was still figuring out how to do this podcast. And for the record, by the way, I am still trying to figure out how to do this podcast. And f- to be honest with you, figure out life. Am I right? Uh, but with I was trying to I was basically saying at one point where I was like, I wish Ty France could get some more playing time. This is a real line. I said, I was like, I wish he could get more playing time because I don't believe in Eric Hosmer. I know he's having a good season, but hey, maybe I'm wrong on this. I'm now really literally quoting my words. Um, I, I had them written down and I was basically like reading this next line. I said, he just looks like a hitter. Is that premium analysis? No, any schmuck can get on here and say, he just looks like a hitter, man. So I'm not going to give myself the most praise, but I do remember my mindset at the time was kind of like, I thought he was okay and that he wasn't a nothing backup piece. Clearly, Tramel was the biggest thing there. But I also mentioned that at the time, Tramel wasn't maybe necessarily being viewed as a top-level prospect anymore, considering that the Padres only got Austin Nola, who only recently kind of became you know a decent catcher and whatnot, and it kind of blew up in 2020. Um, so that's what happened there. But looking back, I mean, Ty France this year in 152 games, he hit 291 with a 368 on base and a 445 slugging percentage. And how many home runs? 18. Now, that's not otherworldly, but that is a just a hitter. You know what I'm saying? And on top of that, he had the best fueling percentage among first basemen in the American League this year. So he was a solid first baseman. So basically, he's the bizarro Eric Hosmer. And what I mean by that is he's what Eric Hosmer wishes he could be. Eric Hosmer is one of the worst players in baseball, uh, especially for the money. He's making 0.0 F4 this year for eight years, 144 million. That's awesome. So basically the Pirates have only got those 35 games where he all of a sudden was launching the ball and hitting home runs like he did last year. Otherwise, nothing from Eric Hosmer. Absolutely nothing. Now, I will say this about the Ty France thing. It's it's not like because in theory, you probably weren't going to move Hosmer unless if I could somehow find out if theoretically that they could have traded Eric Hosmer after the 2020 season, in which he all of a sudden was showing some power developments. And if they were able to sell high and maybe get rid of him to Texas and send Taylor Chamel and a bunch of these other guys, just get rid of him, get him off the team. I'm wondering if that was on and available. And then if, if AJ probably was just like, nah, I actually believe in this. Because if that's true, and of course I don't know this, then that's a bad look. But otherwise, trading Ty France, it's kind of a situation of, well, we have Hosmer. We're never going to play him. You know what I'm saying? And then on top of that, we have Cronenworth, which was right. We were right to keep him. Cronenworth is awesome. And he can play all these different positions. But, you know, and, and that's and that's the thing. So he was probably never going to be able to play on this team with all the stuff. You know, you, even if you want to move him to short somehow, you can't do that. If you want to have him at third for some reason, you couldn't do that. As a DH, maybe you could have done that. But the DH wasn't coming to Major League Baseball or the National League because Major League Baseball is stupid. Um, hopefully it comes this next year. So in that sense of just being like, why did we give him up? Well, we gave him up because there was no real spot for him. But it is pretty rough because... When you look at it, I mean, even for the Padres last year, guys, like in 20 games in 2020, he managed to hit pretty well. 302, the 377 on base, 491 slugging. That's why in my podcast, I was talking like he seems like a decent player. I kind of wish we could give him some run, but I guess they just had no spot for him. I want to live in the alternate world where they get like what I just illustrated, where instead of trading for Austin Nola, heck, I will even sacrifice Joe Musgrove. 
That's how serious I am about this. I am willing to heck. I'm willing to sacrifice Ty France if it meant that somehow, some way, last year they were they were able to get him off the team, remove that contract, have so much more flexibility in their options, and instead, guys, I, it wouldn't shock me if it would you would need to give up like Hassel and Abrams in order to get rid of Eric Hosmer. Like it's gotten that that bad because nobody wants this. He hasn't even shown that he can literally give you above zero war. That's how bad it is for Eric Hosmer. He is, I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the week. He is, I mean, I cannot think of a worse deal. I remember, you know, Carl Crawford comes to mind for the Red Sox. But Carl Crawford was an unbelievable, just a complete dip. You know what I mean? Hosmer, it was never there. It was never there. And even Ty France in those 20 games, like I illustrated, guys, like he had some moments. He had some moments for the Padres, and I understand that you have to. Here's the thing: you have to give up stuff to get stuff. But what I don't like is how AJ Preller seems to have been buying on people after a recent string of success, and not necessarily buying when the price is low. He does do that sometimes. He did do that with Grisham, although that trade isn't looking as good. But you do that with Darvish; he ain't looking so good. You did that with Snell; he only had one good month. You know what I'm saying? When he figured out how to pitch again. And then you look at Austin Nola, he finally turns out how to hit, and he's okay, but he can't stay healthy. So on top of that, it's just like a you're just damned in so many ways. I still think the Clevenger trade with Cal Quantrill, I know he'd been okay for us. I know he had potential, but that's the big problem is that all these assets, it's not bad if you trade them, but when you're trading 31 players for nine players and maybe only two of them worked out, that's how you that's how you fall apart and you have to completely reset and enter the rebuilding phrase. Um, so while I am still optimistic in the Padres' ability to come back, AJ Peller has done some magic before. Um, it's getting dark, and I don't know what's going to happen this offseason. But, I mean, he has more misses than makes. And I understand that the big make of Tatis kind of validates a lot of the misses. But this ain't football. This ain't basketball. You need depth. Depth is what makes you win games. You look at Tampa Bay Rays. I know they're losing right now, but that's the type of team that will have some dude on that team that isn't very good, but he can pitch against one team. So he'll be somewhere in the Myers. They'll call him up, you know what I mean? And he'll be able to do stuff. The Padres don't have that flexibility, and that's what's bad about them. You know what I mean? You have Cronworth. You have Tatis. You have Machado. You have Musgrove. But then where is the depth? You cannot be relying on guys like Aaron Nola. And and Vince Velasquez late in the season. I don't care how many injuries you have. That's bad. And I know it's easy to say that we should trade a paddock. You got to give up stuff to get stuff. But my thing is this. The Padres might have been better off just doing everything in their power to get rid of Hosmer, waiting until Myers' contract ended, waiting a little bit longer. I don't mind signing Tatis for all that money, but maybe waiting a little bit longer. I know Machado's getting older, but waiting a little bit longer before doing that, letting the farm kind of develop a little bit. That way you have more depth to surround with all this talent. And unfortunately, they didn't do that. And now we're in the situation that we are. So Austin Nola trade, in retrospect, not looking great whatsoever. I don't even know how much longer he's going to be a super valuable guy for this team, especially if Luis Campizano, their top catching prospect, one of the top, top kind of catching prospects in baseball, if he's expected to debut at some point. Because then it'll be like, so did we just trade? Like potentially the guy who could have been the first baseman of the future, not making all that much, just a pure hitter and whatnot for, you know, 50 games? Of Austin Nola. That's unfortunately what we're looking at, guys.
That's what we're looking at. Uh, not to end on a super dour note, but that's it, guys. Now, before we kind of officially wrap things up, thank you for making Locked On Padres your first listen every day. Now, make your second listen Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him silly, though, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both past and present. It's free and available on all platforms. Guys, in terms of the future of this podcast, though, you can expect a a four to five things we learned from the 2021 Padres for a little bit of quirky little kind of headlines and whatnot that I came up with that we learned from watching this 2021 Padres team. Also going to be talking about the top 10 most tragic moments of the 2021 Padres. Last year, I did the top 20 moments that were just great for the Padres. But since this season was mostly misery, with the exception of that Tatis home run in Houston, with the exception of a couple Machado moments, the Victor Caratini walk-off, and of course the Musgrove no-hitter, it's basically all, all misery for this Padres team. So we're going to be breaking that down. Uh, it is an article that should be on Just Baseball by the time I do the episode, and then we'll be doing basically like the podcast version of the article in a lot of ways. I'm also going to be recording with Bryce Baturk of Locked On Rangers. Might be putting that out here too. We're just going to be talking, hanging out, and being sad boys because that's what it is right now. Uh, but, you know, until next time, guys, I hope that the Dodgers lose miserably. That is the only thing I am hoping for these days, except for my football and fantasy football teams. They're looking pretty good. Although, guys, I drafted Michael Pittman over Mike Williams. Why then I just go home and pick the guy from my team? And I have Russell Wilson. So I'm still a good team. Don't get me wrong. I got Cup. I got Metcalf. I got Debo Samuel and Najee Harris and guys like that. But ah, it's just, it's rough. And fantasy football, here's the problem with that. It is more annoying when you lose than fun it is when you're winning. I've noticed that. You just hate yourself and you're hitting yourself all the time for how you should have done this or should have done that. It's maddening. But anyway, guys, with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Be sure to send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app. Someone did that the other day, and it was very, very kind. Uh, and I appreciated it from Rake Cronengirth, which was a very uh, – so shout to uh, – Mr. Person or Mrs. Person. Uh, Appreciate that very much. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and of course, stay faithful. My Friar Faithful homies, take care.